no shadow that has ever overcome your life. There is no rival that could ever sin against your mind. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won, you've already won. There is no weapon that has ever left a mark on you. There is no army with the power to conquer truth. Oh, you've always been with us. Every battle you've already won, you've already won. So show me. Show me a mountain he can move Cause he's the God of the breakthrough And anything is possible Show me one thing that's too hard Show me the waters he can move Cause he's the God of the breakthrough And anything is possible There is a will turn into praise shake off despair as i sing out your name a victory dance i will dance out in faith i will crush disappointment and break every chain now all of my fear i will turn into praise shake off despair as i sing out your name a victory dance i will dance out in faith i will crush disappointment and break every chain so all of my fear I will turn into praise Shake off the spirits I sing out your name A victory dance I will dance out in faith I will crush disappointment So all of my fear And I'll shake off the spirits A victory dance I will dance out in faith I will crush disappointment So show me Show me one thing that's too hard Show me one 
just like sing songs and don't really pay attention to the words because you were used to them look at those songs. can you put that chorus back up there like because I don't know it by heart <laughs> think about it. show me one thing he can't do well I mean not my situation I mean he's never done what's the next one show me a mountain he can't move He's the God of the breakthrough. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. That's why that scripture is so great. Hebrews, like, uh, there's a cloud of witnesses. Yeah, maybe you've never faced it, but look around and, and talk to someone in this church. They've gone through everything. Cancer, we've been through. Done that. You know, death and grieving. Yeah, we've done that. We are grieving, but we're making it through. You know, financial struggles. There's some people who've struggled. So I just want to encourage anyone before we even get into it, like, like God is amazing. Amen. You may be seated. Actually, uh, yeah, go ahead and sit down. <laughs> Amen. This month we've been diving into Scripture talking about the bread of life, a.k.a. Jesus. And uh, we've, we've journeyed through the book of John, and really just a couple chapters so far. And John 5 tells the story of the man who had been lame for 38 years and how God did a miraculous work in his life. We talked about that in the uh, first week of February. The last week we continued in the first part of chapter 6 of John uh, where thousands were sitting hungry for the Word of God and became hungry in the natural, and he met both their physical and their spiritual hunger. Um, And today we continue in the sixth chapter of the book of John. And uh, let's read the, the final verses of last week's story so we get our context. Verse 12 says, So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Verse 13, Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. So thousand eaten, and there's, there's leftovers. Um, leftovers are great. Amen. Uh, Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. They got a a glimpse and an understanding. This this is not just an ordinary man. Uh, So let's see see what happens right after this uh, miracle of of the feeding of the thousands. Starting in verse 15, it says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, they were that excited and like, this is the Messiah, and their concept of the Messiah was a king to, to, to rule and reign in the natural. Uh, what did he do? He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, went over, to, over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. 
Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. And so when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. Immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. And uh, this, this uh, account does not go into the detail of other accounts in Mark. Um, and we're going to talk about walking on water, walking on water this morning. The truth about God that we're going to come away with this morning is God is greater than the storms in life. And the apical truth for our lives is I will seek God to be with me at all times. I will seek God to be with me at all times. Shipwrecks uh, lend themselves to le- stories of, uh, of legend, the old age of wooden ships and the legend of pirates and uh, stories of pirates and treasure and the mystery of the sea and oceans and, and really the, the unexplored oceans and, and the depths that... Uh, we're, we're, we're finally getting to the place we can go down and explore and then, you know, tragedy strikes and we're fascinated with the Titanic and that whole mess last year. And uh, it just naturally lends itself to great stories. And one famous, uh, more local story is that of the largest cargo ship in the Great Lakes, the Edmund Fitzgerald. I want to say pastor preached a message uh, um, uh, surrounding that ship. Maybe it was someone else. I couldn't remember, but I remember someone uh, talking about it. It was one of the most well-known and researched uh, shipwrecks. Uh, for 13 years, it was the largest ship on the Great Lakes. Um, some photos make it appear to be two ships. Well, it looks like two ships, but that's actually one uh, massive, massive ship. Um, it was an all-star. The ship and its crew made 748 round trips in its storied 17-year career. It was built to haul iron ore from Wisconsin to Detroit. Uh, but something happened on November 10th, 1975, that even the experts cannot explain. Lake Superior turned from friend to foe and turned on the ship. Hurricane force winds uh, beat up the nearly 30,000-ton freighter, and the churning waters tossed it around like a ball. And Captain McSorley radio for help to a nearby freighter. I have a bad list lost both radars. They're only 17 miles from shore, and on a calm day, they would have made that short trip in one hour, but this day was not calm, and uh, the lake appeared angry, and by the end of the day, Lake Superior had claimed the lives of all 29 crew members and the largest ship on the Great Lakes. Uh, The shipwreck was uh, big news. It was storied. There's actually a song, and I looked this up because I've never heard of Gordon Lightfoot, some of you guys are like, what? And I knew I'd get this reaction. But I'm like, who's, g-? and I was going to make a crack on like, yeah, some dude named Gordon. Like, I've never heard of the guy. And then I'm like, I better not because some folks probably like, he was amazing. And I listened to this song and, eh. It's just it's kind of like, man, you know, so if you want to, I don't know, fall asleep this afternoon in your nap, go ahead and listen to the, to the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, but it's pretty, it's pretty sobering. It just tells the whole story, I mean, over and over the same. Anyways, it, bless you if you like Gordon Lightfoot. Awesome. <laughs> Each to their, to their own. Um, I'm sure he was cool in the day. <clears throat> but anyways, uh, shipwrecks form the stuff of legend because even the most seafaring sailors can find themselves in grave danger. And sadly, even in the grave when the waters turn angry, turn on a ship in the middle of the water. 
The Great Lakes turned on the Edmund Fitzgerald, and just like we saw in John 6, uh, it was the same thing that happened to the disciples in the Sea of Galilee. Um, they had just come, the disciples, uh, to the end of another miraculous, wonderful, um, awesome day, and Jesus had pulled out Lunchables out of nowhere, you know, fed the thousands. He fed their stomachs. He fed their souls. He preached. Uh, the crowd was restless, like we already mentioned. They were ready for a Messiah. They knew this Jesus was the king they were waiting for, but Jesus slipped out of the crowd to the mountain before they could crown him king. Uh, he sent his disciples into a boat to sail to the other side of the sea, and he's going to meet up with them later. Um, as they sailed, he prayed. The sun was setting. The moon was beaming. The night was perfect for another calm cruise across the sea. Um, some of these uh, were, were fishermen. They, they knew about the cruise. They knew about the sea. They were something they were familiar with. Others, the tax collector probably didn't swim, so he's probably freaking out, you know. Uh, but uh, they're rowing along with no concerns or cares. They're already in the middle of the water halfway there. Maybe they couldn't wait to get to the other side, do a campfire, roast some s'mores, make some s'mores, I should say. Uh, but without warning, they find themselves in the middle of a fishing boat, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of basically a hurricane, hurricane force winds. It's a strong wind. In a matter of seconds, they went from a calm, moonlit cruise to rowing for their lives. But again, this wasn't, if you remember, this was not the first time that they were in danger on the water. Uh, as as the wind pushed and the sea churned, they, they probably thought back to the last time that uh, looked like this time when they were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and the winds and waves were going crazy. What do they do? That's right. You know, I could just imagine like, all right, that's right, let's call Jesus. Hey, Jesus. And then it dawns on them. Oh, <laughs> he's not with them. You know, he'll do it again. Nope, he's not there. He's not in the boat this time. It's not like last time. He, he, he wasn't asleep on the boat. No, he wasn't even in the boat this time. He was on the shore. Uh, I'm a process guy through and through. I'm a, a math guy. I like formulas. Sister Martha, you know, this accountant loves formulas. All you, everyone else hates formulas. But, you know, uh, the formulas exist throughout time and will always exist. They're a comfort to those who use calculations. It's never going to change. Always the same. If you need to solve something, you go through the formula. You do it, and boom, you get the answer. You just plug in the numbers, plug in what you need to do. However, it's important to understand as we live for God, we will discover God does not live by formulas. In this scenario, this is, uh, this is the way I will meet the need. No, he doesn't work that way. He, he doesn't do everything the same way every time, and that's okay. That just tells us that he is God and we are not. And he knows what he's doing even when we don't. So it behooves us if we faced a situation and we say, well, I'm going to do the exact same thing, and I'm, I'm going to go about it, and God's going to meet the need once again the same way. Well, maybe he's not going to do that because he's, you know, he's not a God of formulas. He's a God. And he knows what you need. And so that's when we just don't go ahead with our plans based on what he did in the past. Like, okay, God, in this moment, in this season, once again, what do, what do I need to do? Amen. Um, God doesn't answer our prayers the same way every time. God, sometimes we pray for healing for others 
or for ourselves or someone else, and God miraculously heals. At other times, we pray for healing. We watch God miraculously give grace to live through the sickness, um, and sometimes they pass away. You know, when God answers a prayer for someone down the, down the row from us in, in, in the church, across the sanctuary, but doesn't answer our prayer like we hope, God is still God. God is still good. He doesn't love us less and love the other person more. And those are challenging. That's the, those are the fiery darts that the enemy says, like, well, you must be doing something wrong. Maybe you should pray more. And you're not reading your Bible like you should. You know, and it just begins to just, no, God is God. And we would just be faithful with him, to him, trust in him, and he'll work. Amen. That's something to get into our spirits, church, because it's too easy to become discouraged if God doesn't answer our prayers exactly as we prayed them. God is God. We are not. And he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. This, this time on the Sea of Galilee would have been a great time for an encore of that uh, miracle in Mark 4 where he was in the boat and he just said, peace be still. But Jesus was a few miles away from them on the mountain. And so as the disciples worked their rescue mission, they're getting nowhere. Uh, fishermen were even nervous at this point. The, tax collector and physician were probably crying. <laughs> Help me. I don't even know how to row a boat. <laughs> it seemed like for every bucket of water they bailed out of the boat, the sky opened up, the waves crashed down, and two more buckets poured into the boat. Try as they might, they just couldn't get ahead. So that's the scenario. They're, they're in the unforgiving hands of hurricane force winds, rowing the little fishing boat for all that they were worth. Jesus is not in them. He's watching them. Mark's, uh, Mark's account uh, gives one of the most reassuring passages in all the Word of God. It's a passage we need to read and remember, Mark 6, 48. It says, He saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them about the fourth night of the watch. He, he saw them toiling in rowing. When the disciples could not see Jesus, Jesus could still see them. We need to hear that verse again. When Jesus saw them toiling and rowing, let it sink in. Write it with Sharpie on your heart, on your soul. When they could not see him, he still saw them. He saw them when they were calmly cruising along, and he saw them when they were fighting for their lives. It would have made for a great story if Jesus had come walking on the calm waters when they were as still as glass. Great photo op, you know, great picture. But the disciples would have, uh, would, they, they probably would have applauded and slapped each other on the back. He's really, look at that, he's walking on water. But Jesus came walking above the water when it looked like the water was about to take the disciples under. That's the time he came. Storms on the Sea of Galilee birth in a moment. It's known when the cold weather from the mountains mixes with the warm weather from water, they uh, they form these squalls that have claimed the lives of even the most seasoned sea veterans because many of the storms stir without warning. It'd be wonderful if storms came with a check engine light. Like, okay, hey, you better go get this checked out. Your, engine's, your car's about to die. And then you find out it's just like a, you know, an air pressure thing. And, a, yeah, your gas cap wasn't put on right. Like, oh, man. That's why you have friends who have, like, they check engine light checkers 
Thank you, Scott. So it's like, yeah, you don't really need to change. Don't worry about this. You know, and then you drive. I, I drove once for like months and months with a check and light, engine light because you're like, that's eh, just an air thing. And then the back of your mind's like, I wonder if something else is, will ever flip that really I need to check. You know, but anyways. <laughs> but I digress. It'd be wonderful if our life storms came with a check engine light. We'd all have fair warning before the storm hits and tosses our boat of life. We would even get out of the boat and get to shore. Like, okay, hey, this is going to happen. I'm not going to go into work today because, you know, uh, that's going to happen. Or I, I, I'm, I'm going to hold my family close because that's going to happen, you know. The folks in, in Kansas City, the parade, well, I'm going to stay home because I know there's going to be tragedy, uh, a, a shooting at the parade for the Chiefs. No, we don't know. We don't know when life will hit. We don't know when the storm will hit. And that's our life storms are much like the storms that hit the Sea of Galilee. They strike without warning. Um, in two weeks, it'll be two years since uh, Fiona was blindsided coming home from work, driving through the intersection. A guy on his phone, most likely, I think he admitted to it, um, ran the red light. Thank God the kids weren't with her. Thank God he hit in the back uh, driver's side, not the driver's side door. I mean, and it, it rocked, rocked her world physically. Out of the blue, she called and was like, I just got an accident. So it's like, what? And she's like, yeah, it's, it, car's done. And it's like, and it's like car prices were just going up. So we've been now one car family for two years, and it's, it's a pain, <laughs> but we made it work. You know, storms of life hit. <clears throat> hit. Uh, neck pain, shoulder pain, hip pain, you know, out of the blue. And you work and work. And, you, you know, again, if I had known, I would have said, don't go to work. Well, stay home. You know, someone's going to run through a red light. And, you know, if, again, God was, uh, we've seen God's hand in all of it. And we're th <clears throat> thankful for his grace and mercy. We have so much to be thankful, but it, it jolted our lives, literally and figuratively. Jolted. Um, car accidents can claim our livelihoods or, or lives without warning. A divorce claims our families without warning. Job loss, layoffs claim our security without warning. Addiction claims our freedom without warning. But even when life surprises us, tosses us around, it doesn't surprise Jesus. He knows exactly what will happen and when. He's watching afar off. He saw that car coming. And it's like, and that, that's where, like, again, the enemy just uses fire. does, well, if God is such a loving God and he cares for you, why didn't he just, like, you know, I've heard stories where, like, cars are coming at it and it's like, bloop, you know, and an angel moves the car, you know, and it's like, it's like, why didn't God put, like, a cement wall and that guy just hit it, you know, and he get the damaged car. And, and you know, we, and Fiona has no clue. <clears throat> you know, why God? But God, God's the God. He saw it. He saw, he saw it coming. He knows exactly what will happen and when. Just as he saw the disciples, he sees us. And so we should follow the disciples' lead and look for Jesus in our storm. Yeah, he wasn't on the boat, but they were looking for him. Uh, when the winds pound and the rain stings, look to Jesus. You know, uh, so, so often many folks make the mistake of isolating themselves from other people. And even from God when they face a storm. Why is that? 
If you're in a storm today, don't, don't isolate yourself. And again, I believe that in the storm that the enemy is active as well, trying to use this storm, this life situation, you know, and I'm not blaming the enemy for the situation, but just life, you know, financial difficulty and stuff and just anything and everything. And he begins to, to work trying to use it to take you down. And God is trying to use it to, to bless you and to grow you and to shape you and mold you. And he's there. And so don't isolate yourself. We need community. We need God. We have to make sure we don't make that mistake when we're in the storm to isolate ourselves from God or the family of God. As the disciples wrestled to steer their boat to safety, they saw that silhouette of a man walking on the waves. Some, not something you don't see every day, especially in a storm, and probably were thinking, is that, you know, just imagine, put yourself in the situation. We're trying to row here and like, is that, is that someone walking on the water? Okay, that can't be. Malachi, actually, this morning, uh, there was a song on the radio, and it said something about walking on water, and he asked, like, how do, how do they walk on water? <laughs> so funny, because we're talking about this, uh, this, this, uh, this story today. So I was like, well, it was God. He's like, has anyone else walked on water? And so I'm like, well, you're going to learn about it in Sunday school. Yep, and Peter did. <laughs> you know, and, and it was really cute, but you could you could just imagine yourself. Silhouette must be a ghost. There's a ghost, you know, and the superstition one. <laughs> I'm sure there was a disciple who's superstitious, like that's a ghost, uh, you know. Great, we're in a storm. We're at the end of life. Can't get any worse, and now we're haunted by a ghost. <laughs> whose whose grandfather is that? You know, <clears throat> who was who was a, who was unkind? Uh, life just got worse. They're more afraid of the water-walking silhouette than they were of the storm at that point. Um, and then they were surprised when Jesus answered, Mark 6.50, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. When Jesus shows up, showed up ship's side, he calmed their fears and that he was not a ghost, but he pulled back the veil. And this is really interesting. Uh, even further than he had pulled it back in previous passages. And he revealed to them that he was the I am. The King James Version says, it is I. It is I, be not afraid. But the true translation is abundantly more powerful than those words. Jesus was not just telling them, read the name tag, guys. It's me, Jesus. You know, it's me. No, the truest translation reads, I am, be not afraid. I am, be not afraid. Um, And that is um, he said that once uh, in, in the presence of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and that's what made them crazy. Why? Because he was saying that he was God. It was a claim. He's making the highest divine claim that he could make. He, he did not just come from God. He was God who came in the flesh. And I would encourage you, if you weren't in the, the lesson a couple weeks ago on the 4th of February, Pastor Seidel, his session uh, did such a great job diving into that area. But Jesus identified himself as the God of the Old Testament who introduced himself to Moses. And that you can write this scripture, Exodus 3.14. I didn't put it, uh, put it up there, but uh, he introduces himself to Moses as I am. And so it's, uh, this would be similar to saying Jehovah, the Jehovah Jireh who provided a ram for Abraham to sacrifice, the Jehovah Rapha who healed the Israelites of their 
diseases, the Jehovah Nisi who fought for Israel against their enemies, the Jehovah Shalom who gave Gideon peace when he faced over 120,000 relentless and ruthless soldiers, the Jehovah Sabaoth who stands at the helm of all of heaven's armies, the Jehovah Ra who shepherds his sheep to safety. That Jehovah was standing in the wind on the waves that threatened their very lives. Did you hear that? He was standing on the waves that were threatening their lives. This statement that Jesus made was recorded in the account of, in Matthew 14, Mark 6, and John 6 as one of the fullest revelations of Jesus' identity to his disciples and subsequently to us. Jesus is I am. Not I'm, I'm Jesus, hey guys, again. But no, I am. I got it. I'm God. I've got this. The followers followed Jesus long enough to know each of the uh, Bible stories of, of, of Gideon and, and the Israelites facing their enemies and, and Abraham and all those and, and where God revealed himself in a new way to his people. Um, they knew if he could do that for others, he could certainly calm the storm for them. Never lose sight of who Jesus really is. You know, we celebrate him at Christmas. He's the baby in the manger. We celebrate him coming up at the end of March on Easter Sunday as the crucified Christ on the, the center, uh, on, on the cross. Um, but Jesus is I am. He is God. He is God. Let's just, let's just lift our hands to him and thank him that he is God in our storm. He is God. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. When we couple Matthew's account of the story with John's, we have a more complete picture of what happened on that stormy sea of Galilee. Again, John doesn't go into detail. Uh, but Peter could not believe what he was seeing. And then when Peter realized Jesus was uh, there and Jesus was I am, he asked to walk on the water with Jesus. See, I'd be the process guy like, okay, let's cool, Jesus, get in here. Let's, let's figure this out, you know. Let's solve the problem first. Then we can talk about this, you know. But Peter's the personality that, you know, like I, Jerry would be the, the guy like, hey, call me out. I want to walk. And I'd be like, ah, the waves are still going, Jesus. Can you calm the water? Then I'll come, you know. Like there's certain personality, and Peter has that personality like, call me out, God. <laughs> Tell me to come out if it's really you. I like that that to me, like you're you're dumb. <laughs> it's a perfectly good boat. I know it's stormy, but like you crazy, you know, and some of y'all have that personality and I applaud you because you'd be the one like mentioned walking like and Jerry walked on the water and Phil was in the boat like like worrying about the waves, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm serious. I I, I I respect that kind of personality because that's not me. <laughs> But he throws one leg on the boat, throws the other leg over the boat, sitting on the edge, and it's time to hold on or let go, do or die. The die part probably scared him. But Peter let go of the boat, began to walk on water. He and Jesus are the only two ever to use the sea for a sidewalk. <laughs> Maybe the thunder clapped or the lightning lit up the sky, but as the story tells us, he, he got his eyes off Jesus. His tension got somewhere else. Maybe a big wave started to rise. We, we don't know, but he looked away from Jesus long enough to look around 
And suddenly fear rose up inside of him and began to sink. But Jesus reached out, saved him, and then they both boarded the boat. And you know what? The storm calmed. Once again, Jesus demonstrated by walking on the sea, calming the crazy waves, that he commands power over nature. Even the winds and waves obey him. Let's apply it to our lives. Jesus walks on what worries us. The doctor's diagnosis, the bills we can't pay, the fear of being forgotten. Jesus has power over all of those. No doubt precious people in our family and church family hear the howling wind and feel the stinging rains and crashing waves. We wonder how long we can bail water and stay afloat. Well, John has good news for us. The I am is here. He always has the power He always has the power to calm the storm, but even if he does not calm the storm, he will be with us in the storm, and he will calm us. When we really realize whom we are serving, we will worry less and trust more. Jesus is, I am, Almighty God, and he is still with us. You know, storms hit, and often unexpectedly. Let's be real, church. This past year was a tough one. Um, Sister Victoria, your husband passing. I, I was thinking about it last night as finishing things up, and it it was a shock. And I, I and I can't even imagine it from your perspective. You know, my perspective was we we got a text Friday. Surgery went well. You know, he's he's in he's going into recovery and. You know, he's, you know, and we're like, praise God. And we just, we went to bed like, thank you, Jesus, you know. And uh, pray that he, everything's okay and, and as he, all right, we're, we're, you know. And then Sunday morning, get a notice like, he hasn't woken up. We're like, what? What do you mean he hasn't woken up? To Sunday afternoon, he's passed on into eternity. I, talk about a hurricane blowing in out of nowhere. I, like, and I, I, I'm not living it day to day. And it, it was a shock. Talk about dark days. Talk about the need for the Lord just to cling to. And, you know, that's, that's just one example. We've watched, we've been through it. Death, crises, storms, sickness. Some are still facing some of these storms. It, it's been a hard two to four years. Let's be real. Let's be honest and not, like, ignore that fact. It's been a hard time. But what have we done? And I, I've, I've been an observer. I mean, you know, I, I feel like Fiona's accent is so small and tiny, and I don't even mention it. It's not worth mentioning because it's not big. It's big for us, but, you know, in the big scheme of things, I, you know, I'm thankful she's alive, you know, because we've had death here, and you know. But what have we done? And I've observed this in others, and, and what have Fiona and I have done in the, in the storms we've faced? We've, we've looked to Jesus. Was he there? Yeah. He's been there. And, and it, does it, is the storm over? No. Does it hurt? Yeah. Are we grieving? Yeah. Are we still dealing with things? Yeah. Some, some are on a day-to-day basis, you know. But he's sta- he was standing right there on the very waves that worried and caused us turmoil. 
And that's what I want to encourage and, and remind us today. Someone needs a reminder that we face some storm, but don't run from Jesus. Don't run from Jesus now. Don't shake your fist in his face. No, look for him. He's right there. He's standing there on the shore, and he, he sees you in the turmoil. And he's like, hmm, you know, it'd been cool if I was in the boat, but I want to do something different. Let me freak them out. I'm going to walk on this water. Never seen that before. <laughs> I don't know. I, God created me, so there's, a, you know, a sense of humor, I think, amongst him. And so that, that's why I think God thinks that way sometimes. Like, hmm. Yeah, this is going to be funny. Can't wait to see their faces when I get close enough for them to see my silhouette and be like, ah, it's a ghost. <laughs> Especially that one disciple because he's talking about all these ghost stories and over the campfire and ha, <laughs> I'm going to freak him out. This is going to be awesome. Can't wait. I don't know. That, maybe that's what I just, <laughs> thank God I'm not God, you know. <laughs> I'll be like, hey. Uh, but look to him. Lean on him. He sees you. He will hold you and hold you up. Slip your hand in him. Trust he knows where you are. And he'll get you through this storm. He'll get through it. Amen. God is so good. Amen. Let's all stand. Amen. The truth about God is that he is greater than the storms in life. The truth that we can apply to our lives is we will seek God to be with us at all times. And you know what? Sometimes we minimize. I've been around long enough that, again, I, I just said it, like I, I didn't have a loved one pass. And so I minimize my own story. Well, stop complaining, Phil. It was just an accident. But you know what? The, the small thing that you think is small can really impact. Don't ignore it. Give it to God. It might be in your mind a small storm, but it, it might be wreaking havoc in your spirit and heart. And so don't minimize it. Don't say, well, I'm just going to ignore it. No. Take it to the throne. Take it to the altar. Give it to God. Hold on to his hand because that little storm might blow up to, and if you haven't grabbed on if you're not looking to Jesus it might become something that sinks you so hold on I want to encourage someone today I feel the Lord and we need a reminder hold on in the storms amen let's go to the Lord in prayer we thank you Jesus God thank you for this church thank you for this body Lord God this church family God we've we faced some storms God in this church the last few years God so many different scenarios God sickness uh, to tragedy, to, to death, to loss of jobs, to accidents, to, uh, you know, surgeries, to uh, relationship struggles, God, to marriage strife, to, to, Lord, things that are going on with kids and family members and things that are, are just storms, God, that blow in. Sometimes unexpected, Lord Jesus, and, and God, Lord, what a word this morning that you've given to us, Lord, to hold on to you. You are the I am. You are God. 
And help us, Lord Jesus, as we're given this reminder, God, to, to indeed hold on to you, to look to you, to bring them to you, not to bury it, not to, to isolate, not to try to figure things on our own, but to really just reach out our hand to you and say, God, I need you. God, I need you to calm the storm or calm me, God, whatever your will is, whatever the path is, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. What, what a, a message of hope, a message of strength. God, God is here, church. He'll carry you. And if you're in the midst of the storm this morning, you're feeling, I want to encourage you, this message, God, uh, plan this service just for you to hear that. I believe that. Amen. We've got a couple minutes uh, before we, we need to go get the kids. Uh, but we're going to go into our worship service at 11 o'clock. So just greet someone. Find someone you don't know. Challenge you. Find someone, that, uh, a face that you haven't talked to in a while or maybe never. And, and introduce yourself. Talk to them. Amen. And we'll go into worship service here shortly.